0: The top five best growth stocks that you need to pay attention to. Now, I also want to talk about the market cap and how that plays a role when you look at growth stocks. I want to talk about the IPO. I want to talk about some of the indexes where you can find some of these growth stocks. And I also want to give my two cents on growth stocks. What do I think of them? Growth stocks are fun. Growth stocks are addictive. There's nothing more exciting than logging into your brokerage account in the morning just to see how your growth stocks are performing and most people love growth stocks because it's all over the news it's all over the media most growth stocks are going to be in the tech sector the technology sector but other sectors also can have growth stocks but the tech sector is exciting because the tech sector is always on the cutting edge of things they're creative they're coming out with new products new technology And people get hyped up about that stuff. People get excited and then they want to invest in it. They want to see their capital grow. Growth stocks are also the stocks that investors use in order to potentially grow their wealth fast. Those are the stocks that people talk about when you hear the stories of somebody bought a stock today and then a couple of days later, they saw their capital gain shoot by 30, 50% or even more. Now, the first growth stock that you need to pay attention to and that you need to have on your watch list is Shopify. Now Shopify is a e-commerce platform that allows you to set up your shop online. All you have to do is buy the domain, set up your shop, make sure that you pick the right theme, upload your products, set up your payment processing, and before you know it, you can start getting sales after you do the marketing and advertising of course of your products. So it's a very easy platform to use. I've also set up a couple of Shopify stores in the past where I would sell anything from fitness equipment or fitness clothes to women's handbags. And most of your sales are going to come from mobile devices. From a growth stock perspective, if you look at the financials, Shopify has been able to grow their revenue year over year in the past five years by 50%. That's a great thing because if you look at the stock market average, the stock market on average grows on a good year by 10 to 11%. So seeing a company able to grow 50% on average year over year, that's a growth stock that you need to pay attention to. Number two is Netflix. Now, Netflix is the most popular streaming service at the moment because they're doing a great job of not only expanding into different countries, but they also do a great job of keeping their content as diverse as possible. So there's content and even games for any type of viewer. If you like horror movies, if you like documentaries, if you like action movies, if you like crime docs, Netflix has shows for pretty much everybody. From a financial standpoint, Netflix has been able to grow. If you look at the five-year average and also the 10-year average, they've been able to grow by 25%. And also the reason why Netflix is the market leader in their space and they're able to not only grow their user base, but also retain the users that they have, is because they constantly come out with good shows. Most of the revenue that they generate, they put back into the business by producing content that viewers want to see. Number three is Amazon. Now, Amazon is a $1.2 trillion company. During the pandemic, Amazon saw their sales soar, while other retail stores and smaller chains saw either their business go bankrupt or their business slow down tremendously. It's because of Amazon that companies such as Walmart and Target had to speed up their entrance into the online e-commerce world. And Amazon has pretty much set the standard for fast shipping, or in this case, one-day shipping. Most people that I know love buying their products from amazon and amazon is always on the cutting edge with coming out with new ideas and then implementing them as fast as they can so yes you can buy your goods on amazon but there are also amazon stores in specific locations that you can go to going back to the financials amazon generates all of their revenue from three sectors north america international and aws aws standing for amazon web services Small and big companies that don't want to have their technology infrastructure in-house, they have the possibility to outsource it to AWS. Number four is Tesla. Now, Tesla is a $700 billion company. If you look at their revenue in the past 5 to 10 years, they've been able to grow their revenue by 33 to 50%, which is astounding. Tesla, widely popular, the best-selling car, used to be the Model 3, But doing my research, I've noticed that the Model Y has been picking up steam and is currently the best-selling Tesla car at the moment. Tesla is doing so well with selling their electric cars and then also expanding into different countries. Right now, China is one of the fastest-growing markets for Tesla. And even when I went on vacation to Europe, I went to the Netherlands to visit my family. While I was on the highway, I was paying attention to the cars that I saw on the highway And one in four to one in five cars that I saw in Amsterdam were Tesla cars. That's how popular they are in Europe also. Tesla has been operating at a net loss for many years. It wasn't until 2020 that they turned their net loss into a net profit. But the whole thing with these growth companies and these growth stocks is that they focus on growth. They focus on getting their revenue as high as possible because they want to beat out the competition. They will grow even if that means operating at a net loss for many years. All they then need to do is make a couple of tweaks in order to turn their net loss into a net profit. And number five is Spotify. Now, Spotify is not as big as the Amazons out there or the Teslas because Spotify is a $16 billion company and it's also operating at a net loss. But Spotify has been making a lot of headway into also growing as fast as possible because they started in the music industry, then they got into podcasting, and now they just added audiobooks. So they have three pillars now, the three-headed monster. Also, with Spotify, they want to dominate the audio space. They want to capture your ear. And Spotify always comes up with new ideas, cutting-edge technology, anything that they can do to make it easier for their listeners to enjoy the platform. And Spotify is also good at monetizing the user base that they have. So they have the subscription model, they have ads that are running, but then they also have a retail model, which they introduced when they introduced the audiobooks to their platform. Now, why these five companies? Because there also are a lot of smaller companies that nobody has heard of that are seeing record growth. The reason why you want to take a look at these five companies is because they are not only dominant in their space, they're the leaders in their space. They're also seeing record year growth year over year. And they're also not going to go away anytime soon. Most people know about them. Most people talk about them, which makes them popular. So your cousin might talk about them. Your uncle might talk about buying them. The media is talking about these companies. Not only are they popular now, they're going to be more than likely popular in the future because these companies are always on the cutting edge when it comes to technology within their space. Making sure that they come up with creative ways in order to retain their customers. And also the management team is doing a great job of managing the day-to-day business practices. Also, another thing that you need to pay attention to is that all of these companies that I mentioned are large to mega cap stocks. Now, this is where the market capitalization comes into play because market capitalization lets you know the value of a company, how much a company is worth. So when I say a company like Tesla is worth $700 that goes to the market cap of the company. How do you calculate the market cap? The market cap is calculated by taking the price of a single share and multiplying it by the common shares outstanding. So if a company has a $50 price for their stock and they have 1 million shares outstanding, the market cap is 50 times 1 million is 50 million. So depending on the value of a company, it will fall under a specific cap. So a company that is 300 million or less, there's going to be a micro cap. Anywhere between 300 million and 2 billion, that's gonna be a small cap company. 2 billion to 10 billion, that's gonna be a mid cap. 10 billion to 200 billion, that's gonna be a large cap. And anything over 200 billion, that's gonna be a mega cap company. Now, I focused on the large and mega cap companies, but you can definitely also take a look at micro cap, small cap, and even mid cap companies. Because those companies, even though they might not be as famous as the large, And mega cap companies, there is still potential because there are not that many eyes on those types of companies in the smaller cap companies, but they have that potential to blow up also and become large cap or even mega cap companies. But of course, a lot of risk involved in all of these companies doesn't matter if they're a small cap company or a large cap company. Always remember that investing is risky. Now, if you want to know which indexes these companies are trading on, all of these companies will be found on the S&P 500, which is the standard Sampor 500, which has the 500 largest companies in the US. So all of the companies in the S&P 500 are indexed based on weight. So some of the companies take over a larger percentage, and most of those companies are going to be in the tech sector. Apple being the number one. Another index is the NASDAQ 100. Now, the NASDAQ 100 is similar to the S&P 500. Of course, it has less stocks in their index, but most of the stocks are highly focused on the technology sector, which is all of the stocks that I mentioned also in the top five list. And even if you look at the top six companies in the NASDAQ 100, the top six companies take up 37% of the whole index. So some of those companies are going to be Google, Amazon, Apple, even Tesla. Another index that's widely popular is the Russell 2000. So the Russell 2000 is an index for approximately the 2000 biggest small cap companies that are out there. Now with those companies, of course, a lot of potential in the Russell 2000. If you want to invest in the Russell 2000, all you have to do is find an index that mirrors the Russell 2000, or you could also do the research and make sure that some of the companies in the Russell 2000 have seen year-over-year growth past the average of what the Russell 2000 does on a yearly basis. And those are some of the companies that you want to pay attention to. Make sure you look at their business model. Is it one that can grow into the future? Is it one that will need to change? Does it have stability If that company is a small cap company right now, does it have the potential to become a mid cap company or even a large cap company? Make sure you also take a look at the management team, how they are performing on a day-to-day basis. These are some of the things that I would pay attention to if I wanted to invest in a company, a small cap company. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favourite podcast app. Or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. that's in the Russell 2000. But just in general, I would focus on an index fund that just mirrors the Russell 2000. Another one is the Wilshire 5000. This index contains all of the publicly traded companies from the US. So if you want to invest in all of the companies in the US, whether it be small cap, micro cap, large cap, mid cap, mega cap, the Wilshire 5000 is one that you need to pay attention to. It's not necessarily one of my favorite because I like to be a lot more detailed with specific companies that I wanna invest in. But if you just wanna have a basket of literally all the companies, the Wilshire 5000 is the one that you need to pay attention to. When the Wilshire 5000 was introduced, it had 5,000 companies in the index. Currently, it has about 3,300 to 3,500 companies, anywhere in between. And the last one is the penny stock market, the OTC market. Now, this is an interesting market because there are a lot of companies that kind of get on the more reputable stock exchanges, for example, the NASDAQ, because there are rules in order to get on these stock exchanges. Like some of the rules might be that a company that wants to get on the specific stock exchange, that company needs to be able to generate a specific amount of revenue year over year. A company also needs to be able to keep their stock price above $1 buck, because if they fall below $1 for over a period of time, let's say six months, they will get a notification that they're going to be potentially deplatformed from the stock exchange. But now the penny stock market is extremely risky because most of those companies don't even need to register their financials with the SEC. So a lot of risk involved in the penny stock market plus the trading volume is not that liquid, so it's not as easy to buy and sell compared to some of the more popular stock exchanges. So be careful with the penny stock market, with the OTC market, I don't like to dabble in it, but there are a lot of investors that take a peek at the penny stock market. So with growth companies, of course, these companies focus on growth, growing the company as fast as possible because they wanna grow into different states, they might grow into different countries, they might want to introduce new products and produce them on a mass scale, They might need to hire more employees. So growth is the focus, even if it means operating at a net loss. One of the things that a company can take a look at if they are a private company is to go through the IPO process, which is the initial public offering. This is a process where a private company turns into a public company by going onto the stock market. This is a great way for a company to generate a large amount of capital. When a company goes from being a private company to a public company through the IPO process, that does not guarantee that this company will be a profitable company, of course. And also one of the disadvantages of a private company going public, all the financials of the company also need to be public for the investors and the general market. With a private company, a private company does not have to display a report or even show any of their financials, but publicly traded companies do need to do that. Another disadvantage, of course, is also that your competition also has access now to all your financial data, and they can use it in whatever way they see fit. Now, I like growth stocks. I prefer dividend-paying stocks, but the thing that I like about growth stocks is the excitement around the stock, which, of course, has to deal with the underlying company, because that company more than likely produces a product that a wide range of people like. If you take a Tesla so many people like their electric cars. I'm even in the process of buying a car, doing the research to see which car I wanna buy, and I'm also definitely taking a look at some of the cars that Tesla is producing. So that's the thing that I look at when I think of growth stocks because when I think of dividend-paying stocks, those are more consistent, but they are usually in a boring field or they produce products that are not that exciting. But with the growth stocks, everybody talks about them Even some of my friends might tell me about some of the growth stocks and asking me if I, okay, should I buy this particular stock? Then I always tell them, okay, make sure that you do the research first before you buy any type of company. And also always remember that investing, it doesn't even matter if it's a growth stock, a dividend paying stock, or you're investing in a penny stock, always know that it's risky. There's always risk involved when it comes to investing the five best dividend paying stocks now this is exciting to me because this is where i shine when it comes to investing there's nothing more interesting and exciting to me than buying a company that pays a dividend when it's selling at a discount and then just holding on to it and while you're holding on to it you're making passive income or residual income in the form of a dividend every quarter or every month depending on which company you buy but Because you also bought it at a discount, you also have the possibility of seeing some unrealized capital gains. So it's a win-win situation for me. It's also more of a set it and forget it, you buy it once. If you do the research, you want to buy a good company of course, and then you just hold on to it and enjoy the passive income that you generate. Not only do I look at dividend income as a passive way of making money, it's also a way of making money that grows faster than inflation because a lot of companies, They don't only pay a dividend, they also grow their dividend. Some companies might also pay a special dividend every now and then. So it's a very hands-off way of investing. It allows me to sleep well at night. So even if the stock market is trending down, I don't lose any sleep because I'm still holding on to my dividend paying stocks because they still pay a dividend. That dividend increases faster than inflation. I reinvest that dividend to get more dividend income. And while I'm holding on to the stock, the price still has the potential to bounce back and I can see my capital gains rise up. Dividend investing might not be a fast way of making money, but it's a stable and consistent way of making money. I can plot my dividend income in, for example, an Excel spreadsheet and track how much money I'm potentially going to make year after year, depending on how much I invest in dividend-paying companies. This is not something that I can do as efficient with just looking at capital gains. Because with capital gains, the stock price or your investments are going to fluctuate year-over-year. So yes, you might see one year your investments grow by 9%, but the next year your stocks might have actually lost and dipped down in value. Let's just jump into the first one that's on the list, which is going to be Nike. Now Nike, famous for their footwear, of course. That's how Phil Knight started out the company, by selling shoes. But Nike is known for more than just their shoes. They also sell fitness clothes. And when it comes to endorsements, Nike has partnered with the best athletes in sports. Athletes such as LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Rafael Nadal, Tiger Woods, and the list goes on. Whenever any of these athletes wear Nike clothing, it brings their fans to Nike, of course. It brings visibility to Nike. The three main brands that Nike owns are going to be Nike, Jordan, and Converse. From a dividend perspective, Nike has paid a continuous dividend since 1997. That's more than 20 years. They grow their dividend on average, if you look at the 5 to 10 year average, by 11%. And their payout ratio is at 35%. The payout ratio, if you think about it, you take the net income that a company generates, a portion of that net income is paid out as a dividend to the shareholder. For Nike, it's 35%. I like it at 35% because a company that has a higher payout ratio let's say it's 90% if a company has a bad year when it comes to net profit or net loss they might not be able to pay out a dividend so having that cushion of 65% because they only pay 35% out as a dividend i like that because they have a cushion where they can still raise the dividend and not be in any financial problems and also a fun way of looking at it is whenever you own nike shares If you see somebody walking around outside in Air Jordan shoes or even Nike clothing, a portion of that sale is going to come to you as a dividend. The second company on the list is AppFee. Now, AppFee is in the healthcare sector. It's a biopharmaceuticals company. In layman's terms, they create medicine to try to get rid of illness. It's a $255 billion company, and this was actually a spinoff because in 2013, they spun off Abbott Laboratories. From a dividend perspective, this company has paid an increasing dividend since 2013, and they've been able to grow their dividend by 20% on average year over year since 2013. From a payout ratio standpoint, their payout ratio is higher than what we saw with Nike. Their payout ratio is at 74, but they've been able to consistently generate revenue And they've been able to grow their revenue between 11 to 15%, which also means that they've been able to grow their dividend also. Number three on the list is Microsoft. Now, the funny thing about Microsoft is that people don't focus on Microsoft compared to other companies. Companies that you always hear about are going to be your Teslas, Google, Facebook even Apple, but Microsoft is a $1.6 trillion company. One thing that's interesting about Microsoft also is that they have their hands in so many different business ventures. Not something that I necessarily like, but it works for Microsoft. Of course, Windows, GitHub, Xbox, Azure, which is the competitor of AWS, which is the technology infrastructure. Microsoft is doing extremely well, and from a dividend perspective, this company has paid a continuous dividend since 2003. They've been able to grow their dividend on average by 11% year over year, and their payout ratio is at 25%. So everything is pretty much looking in the up and up for Microsoft. Number four. Four on the list is PepsiCo. The Pepsi company, being a $244 billion company, the thing that I like about this company is that it's extremely easy to explain what this company does, even to a little kid. Because Pepsi, of course, they produce beverage drinks. But that's not the only thing that Pepsi does, because a lot of people don't know, but Pepsi owns a slew of brands. Brands such as Gatorade, Lace Potato Chips. Doritos, Quaker Oats, and the list goes on. From a dividend perspective, PepsiCo has paid a continuous dividend since 1973. That's almost coming up on 50 years. And not only have they been able to pay a continuous dividend since 1973, they've also been able to grow their dividend, if I look at the last 5 to 10 years, by around 6%. If I look at their payout ratio, their payout ratio is a little bit higher at 64%. But with the track record of Pepsi company paying out an increasing dividend. They've been through so many economic bumps. Think about the Great Recession, the Y2K crash. Even through all those dips in the stock market, the Pepsi company has been able to still pay a dividend and increase their dividend above the average inflation rate. That's why I like the Pepsi company. And I have them on my watch list, but I also bought stock in the company. And for number five, I wanted to throw in a different company, a company outside of the U.S., because all of the number one through four are going to be U.S. companies. This one is actually outside of the U.S. It sells famous products also. This is the Unilever company. Now, the Unilever company is actually a British consumer goods company. So the UK owns this company. Some of the brands that they own, you've heard of them, but you never thought they were owned by Unilever. These brands are gonna be Ben & Jerry's, Dove, Hellman's, think about the, the Mayo. From an investing standpoint, the interesting thing about companies that are outside of the US is that, from a dividend perspective, they pay an increasing dividend, but you have to look at the trend line because you will see the dividend income go up and down. But you have to look at the trend, you'll see the trend. Be a upward trend. Unilever has paid a consistent dividend since 2008, and they've been able to grow their dividend by around 6%. Their payout ratio, they keep it at around 64%. So all in all, Unilever is one that you need to have on your watch list and buy when it's trading at a discount. While I'm talking about Unilever, let's touch on ADRs, which stands for American Depository Receipt. If you wanna invest in a company outside of the US, because keep in mind, not all great companies are just within the US. Outside of the US, there are also companies that you need to pay attention to. For example, Unilever. If a company wants to go public and be traded on a stock exchange, it usually does that within the country that it's in. So in the US, we have the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange. If you go overseas, let's say London, you have the London Stock Exchange. If you look at Amsterdam, You have the Euronext, Amsterdam stock exchange, and the list goes on. Most countries have a stock exchange unless they're so small and they don't participate in the buying and selling of securities. Most companies are not gonna go through the hassle of being listed on different stock exchanges. So a company in Brazil is probably gonna be listed on the Brazilian stock exchange, but they're not gonna do the due diligence to also be listed on the American stock exchanges and the London Stock Exchange. An ADR then allows you to buy stock in companies that are not in your current country's stock exchanges. So in the case of Unilever, the ticker symbol being UL, you can buy Unilever on the New York Stock Exchange. Now some other notable dividend paying companies, I have my handy-dandy watch list. Costco, McDonald's, The Hershey Company, Sherwin-Williams, FISA, Union Pacific Corporation, Lowe's, Genuine Parts Company, Johnson & Johnson, Texas Instruments Incorporated, Clorox, Colgate, The 3M Company, Kimberly Clark, T. Rowe Price, McCormick & Company Inc., Church & Dwight, Hasbro, Coca-Cola Company, and Brown Foreman Corporation. Five dividend-paying companies under 50 bucks: Flower Foods, Hormel, Fasinal, Kroger, and the CXX Corporation. We went over a lot of good information on these dividend-paying companies, but you still wanna make sure that you buy them when they're selling at a discount. Because as a value investor, you don't wanna buy something when it's too expensive. So a good way of looking at how expensive or cheap a company is, is by looking at the price-to-earnings ratio, the P.E. ratio. With dividend-paying companies, I like to see a P.E. ratio of 15 or less. You can also do 20 or less. I prefer 15 or less. Investing in dividend-paying companies is a steady way of building your wealth over time. It's not a fast method that you can see with growth stocks, but with dividend companies, I can plot my dividend income into the future. I cannot do that with growth stocks because they're a lot more volatile, but with dividend-paying companies, yes, I pay attention to the price of the stock, but I also definitely pay attention to The dividend income that I get and I make sure that whenever I get the dividend income I invest in companies that can grow their dividend income I take that dividend income and reinvest it or I take it and I invest it in different companies that pay a dividend I also take my own capital and invest it in dividend paying companies and then some of these dividend paying companies also pay a special dividend every now and then so it's a snowball effect now If you enjoy my content on stock market investing, then be sure to follow my podcast and check out my show notes below for exclusive premium content that will take your investing to the next level. In the show notes, I also link to my books, my Instagram so you can follow me and my YouTube channel. I'll catch you in the next episode.